This is Talk Poverty Radio. I'm Rebecca Vallis. And with me is Clara Miller, president of the F.B. Heron Foundation in New York City. It's a private foundation dedicated to helping low-income people and communities. Clara Miller, thank you so much for joining the show. Well, I'm delighted to be here. Thanks so, for having me. So, Clara, I, you know, just to start, there's actually a, a really interesting article that you wrote about how the economy has changed and how poverty is now structural, not marginal, as you put it. And you make the case that because of this change that we've seen in the economy, that, quote, business as usual is no longer an option for philanthropic foundations like yours. What do you mean by this exactly? Uh, well, I guess it'd be helpful to know what, what I'm defining business as usual as. And um, most foundations, not everybody knows this, but private foundations typically invest um, a, a large sum of money, usually very large, given by a private donor, wealthy, generous, wealthy individual, invest that conventionally, and then 5% of that by um, law is spent every year on typically grants to nonprofit organizations to do uh, do their wonderful work, whatever it is. Our mission is an anti-poverty one, but others have other missions. And um, our view, we, we basically said, well, um, we can't afford to pretend that uh, marginal solutions, meaning you know these kind of um, grants to nonprofits who are meant to be the auxiliary that helps clean up after flaws in the economy, is enough. Um, to to actually do the job, that the economy has we have to stanch the flow of problems that are coming to the nonprofit sector. We can't just you know the the nonprofit world is not meant to be a scaled part of solving problems. It's actually meant to be an auxiliary. So we said, why don't we just look at every asset we have as part of the solution rather than just the, that 5%. And that's been the case at the foundation for a number of years, and we've just accelerated that trend recently. And so one way that what you've just talked about has been described is that your foundation decided to go all in. <laughs> it's the yeah, way I've... <laughs> that's, that's right, exactly. Um, we said, look, the problems, you know, the, the poverty is systemic. Um, problems are geographically unbounded. Um, they're multi-sector. We need everybody in the game. We can't pretend that we can solve this without, you know, muscular big public companies and private equity and all, all sorts of things. Uh, why not use those tools? Those are tools of philanthropy. Um, and philanthropy for us is a way of life. It's not just grant making. It's changing the way we, we live our lives and do business. Well, and so one of the, I mean, the, the main thing that really characterizes going all in for you guys is that you've moved 100% of the foundation's endowment into what are sometimes called impact investments. What are impact investments and what does this really mean in, in practical terms? Well, of course, like everything in, in the world, uh, there are a lot of different points of view on what impact investments are. And Heron, I mean, we kind of mischievously say, we think all investments are impact investments. Uh, it's just that people aren't aware of whether the impact is good or bad <laughs> on, on society. 
or on the on the economy in, in general, um, on the people we care about in, in poverty. So uh, what we started with is saying, uh, let's examine our portfolio and see if a company is actually providing decent jobs to people, or are they growing in a way that doesn't demand that they're super extractive of natural re- resources and labor. Uh, and so that's the that's the point of view we take, uh, and we think as a as a um, as a philanthropic institution, it's part of our fiduciary duty to um, of obedience to mission to make sure that all our assets um, actually contribute to the common good. Can you give us an example of an impact investment like you were just describing? Well, um, so one one would be we made a. We've made a private equity investment in 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 a in a private equity firm that is focused on doing uh, environmentally, socially positive uh, company investments and working with companies to make sure that that's the way they run their their businesses. Um, and so, in one of those, for example, we we've invested it, it through a private equity firm in a group of portfolio companies that now employ more than 800 um, people and uh, has created uh, over 7,000 jobs. And 80% of those have most of their employees as part owners of the, of the, of the work and the work pays a living wage. So to us, you know, we can, we can do both and we can invest in, good companies that are providing good jobs, and we can also make grants to nonprofit organizations that are doing wonderful work. But that's an example of one that, that's in our endowment. Well, I mean, to hear you describe it, it sort of sounds like this is a no-brainer, right? This is really kind of a win-win. Why, are so, why, why is this such a radical idea, and why, are, why are, are so many foundations resistant to this approach? I, I actually, I mean, I think it's a dumb moment too. I, mean, I, I really don't know. Um, I, I think it's like everything: it's habit, it's culture, it's the 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 investment community stands to gain uh, the way foundations were originally created. Um, it sometimes meant that they were very. There's a kind of quote. What some actually describe as a separation of church and state, the whole business model is separated into one side does good grant making and the other side basically runs an investment fund and they don't interact. They don't, you know, they're, they don't, it's kind of like, it's hard enough to make five and a half percent real over here on the investment side. You stay out of our business and we'll fund your grant. And that's, um, that's very typical. Uh, and and it's it's starting to to change uh, very slowly, but it's complicated, and especially for the larger foundations, I think. Um, so, uh, it but I but I don't really know why that has it has not been something obvious. I mean, people have actually said, "Well, isn't that what they all you know?" I've told them about what Heron does, and they say, "But isn't that what foundations do?" And I said, "Well, not really." <laughs> <laughs> So in addition to going all in, um, are there other changes that you have made as you've tried to adapt to the new economy? Maybe have there been any changes in the kinds of grants that you've been making to organizations that are trying to fight poverty? Right. We, we, um, we have 
basically chosen a specific financial role, which most foundations make grants and they're, um, they don't think of them as e- either being capital grants specifically or um, essentially purchasing services kinds of grants. They're just grants. Um, and we've said, we're going to be a capital investor, which means when we put money into an organization, we want to see it change or grow. And that's for nonprofits as well as for-profits or cooperatives or, you know, whatever it might be. So when we make a grant to a nonprofit, that nonprofit has a real opportunity to grow um, that will result in having a really positive impact on the people we we want to help. Um, and uh, And that means for us, that those grants are bigger and that they're made on the basis of of growth that is sustainable and attracts revenue to those organizations rather than replacing it. Uh, and that takes some time and analysis. Um, but it also means from the point of view of Heron that we have we now make grants that are more like a million and a half dollars um, in on average as opposed to seventy five thousand dollars on average which has been a huge change. But those million-and-a-half-dollar grants are typically part of a much bigger campaign um, of, you know, 5 to $20 million to fund the growth of an organization in exactly the way a private equity firm's growth would be funded um, through its, its general partners and investors. And one last question for you. I'm going to zoom out a little bit and and ask you the the sixty five thousand dollar or maybe the one one point five million dollar question, right? <laughs> yeah. What What do you view as the role of philanthropy in fighting poverty and inequality? So that's that's a huge one. I mean, there's been a really interesting, uh, distinguished uh, history on the part of much many foundations in, for example, the civil rights movement. A group of foundations made made early grants and uh, faithful grants to civil rights organizations uh, back in the fifties and sixties. Um, recently, the the gay marriage uh, movement. There there have been you know, the Haas Junior Foundation and the Gill Foundation. Both were very instrumental in those movements. So there's there's a kind of a funding of movements, which is very important. Um, we're taking a very <laughs> an enterprise finance uh, lens because we're saying we want to find uh, enterprises that employ people with decent living wage jobs or advocate on their behalf and strengthen those enterprises so they can do their great work. So that's a little bit different approach. Um, so there's there's many, and I think diversity is really good. Um, so so I would. I would say we have one approach, but there's there's many other foundations that are doing a different uh, different kettle of fish, and I'm sure I'm leaving some approaches out. Clara Miller, thank you so much for joining Talk Poverty Radio, and we look forward to having you back at some point in the future to talk oh. about the experience and and <laughs> um, and 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 success that you have from going all in. Oh, that'd be great! It's been a it's been a real pleasure. Thank Clara you. Miller is president of the F.B. Heron Foundation in New York City.